Hello, it's Elida here from Spotlight. This month, we're talking to Kevin Grogan, the triple threat performer behind the drag queen persona Veronica Green, who you might know from season two of RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Kevin talks about his experiences of performing drag and offers some wisdom for those considering giving it a go. We also talk about drag's place on the performance landscape and pop culture in general, while having some laughs along the way. So, let's get stuck in. Kevin, hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, let's get straight into it. Um, drag is an art form. Uh, I would love to know about your story, about uh, how you view drag, about what you're up to now, all of the stuff. I want to know everything. Um, <laughs> but- well, how much time do we have? Cause- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll edit out the boring bits, but I'm sure that there won't be any. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, it's going to be the longest podcast in history then, in that case. Um, we'll start simple. We'll start with a really simple um, question, which is, when did you start doing drag? Oh, well, okay. If we're going to go way, way back, you could you could argue that I started doing drag when I was like a little eight-year-old boy, well, you know, um, you know, prancing around the house in my mum's wedding dress, you know, and, and things like that. You know, when when young gay boys put, wrap the towel around their head thinking that they've got this massive ponytail. <laughs> um, see, you could really say that uh, my um, interest in, in sort of a gender, a gender identity, gender ideals, gender ideas, and, um, and, 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 and all that kind of business happened at a very young age, very naturally. Um, because when I was a young kid as well, seeing films like Tu Wong Fu, for example, right. they, they very, very much interested me in, um, in, in, in this idea that gender is, it can be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and drag, you know, back in those days, calling it, um, uh, you know, gender bending, as the, as mm-hmm, they called mm-hmm. it, or or gender illusion, or female impersonation. There's so many different terms for it and different ideas. Um, and as a young little kid, I was just like, oh my gosh, those feminine, girly things that I resonate with and dr- are drawn to so much. I want to play around with that. I want to play around with those ideas and and strut around the house in heels and things like that. Um, but it, it wasn't until being an adult that I fully, you know, dived into exploring that and, uh, you know, having the courage to actually to pursue it as a career in an art form. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the, um, what was the thing that kind of gave you the courage to do it? Um, cause I know that you've got a background in musical theatre, right? I do have a background in musical theatre, <laughs> as they said, fit on the TV show. Fifteen years experience. So, yeah. How much? I mean, how much of a link is there between that and drag? And what what was it that kind of finally nudged you into trying it out? Um, well, I, I think being part of the musical theatre world and the the performance world definitely allows you to be. Uh, more open and mm-hmm. more experimental with not just with um gender expression and and drag but but discovering who you are as a person um i i 
realized when I moved to London for the first time in 2005, uh, <laughs> quite a while ago, um, that I felt like I could really open up and be who I wanted to be mm-hmm. as a queer person. Um, and this was before I started dabbling with, with, with doing, you know, drag even as a hobby. So I, I just think performers were naturally exhibitionists, were naturally um, very extroverted, um, were show-offs. And um, and we're definitely loud uh, people. Even the even the introverted uh, performer is uh, is an extrovert to some degree. And um, that I think being part of that world allows you to slowly be bold and courageous. Right, right. I mean, it's it's sort of talked about how when you're when you're moving around in theatre circles or performance circles or anything like that what's often created is a very safe space for um, people who often have identities that sit outside the margins, be that a queer identity or a, you know, uh, you know, I was bullied at school and I was always a weirdo or whatever. Um, I think that, you know, there's there's that stereotype of like the drama nerds in like American um, TV shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like the drama school that I went to, I went to the London School of Musical Theatre yeah. and we were the misfits. We were the misfit school um, that was just had every kind of walk of life. We had all the different uh, uh, classes as well, you know. So the, the, there was some, there was a, we were just a salt melting pot of every odd person in an odd person's world. Um, and, and I think that as well allowed us to, to be like, oh, okay, we are, we are like unique. We're so unique. Um, and then that allowed us to, to, to just be a little bit more courageous and bold with, with our, with our choices. And, and, you know, and for me, uh, drag was, was one of those things. Um, I finally delved into doing drag in 2013. Um, and it was thanks to a group of people. I was away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in Singapore at the time. And there was a group of about seven, seven of the, the, the lads there. Yeah. Um, and but they were all just discussing, oh, should we just do a drag night for Halloween? And that's how almost every drag queen that I know um, got into doing drag at Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I found the courage to do it in a group because I, I felt like if necessary, I could slink into the background and, you know, n- and not be noticed. I could experiment with with this art form without being on display as the singular one person who did it. So for me, it was safety in numbers that allowed me to to do it. Well, I love but it turned that. out to be the best decision in the world. <laughs> I love that so much. I, lo- I mean, it, it comes back to this idea of having a tribe and kind of feeling safe and all of that. And, um, you know, I, I've got a lot of friends who, uh, exactly like you said, did their first sort of proper drag ensemble um, because of Halloween. And presumably Veronica Green wasn't fully formed immediately in that first instance. Did you did you dabble at first or uh, you know, Yeah. It, oh, it, I, so I... I'm very much into villains and femme fatales. So my first drag experience, I was like, okay, well, I need to definitely do somebody who is um, a bit spicy. So um, Poison Ivy is one of my favourite 
villainesses of all time. So I, I dressed up as Poison Ivy. It was more of a cosplay than anything else. Um, and I followed a few YouTube tutorials for makeup skills and things like that. Made my own outfit for the night. Um, and, and then ju- it was just a... It was just a dressing up experience at first. And then um, about six months later, I was I was visiting the, the UK um, um, as part of like it was, a, it was a holiday. And my brother um, said, oh, you, you started doing drag. I'd love to do that, too. And I was like, well, let's let's go out in drag. And then that was when I first discovered my first drag name and Oh gosh, it was horrible because I hadn't picked a drag name. I was just like, oh, we're just dressing up and going out for drinks. And then being out and somebody going, oh, what's your name? And I went, it's Kev. Oh, no, it's not Kev. It's, and then I just had to think on my feet and I was like, oh, I'm, oh God, I'm a, I'm a singer. And yeah, I'm, oh, I'm Melody Sings. <laughs> Terrible drag name. It was a terrible drag name. Immediately, I was just like, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is her- this is terrible. So then, I, after that night, I thought about it, and and I one realized I don't like just going out and and being in a space in drag. Mm-hmm. I like to perform, mm-hmm. and it's a persona for me. It's not um, a, it's not a way of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was the first thing I realized after that night. And then the second thing was, I need a good drag name because that's a terrible drag name. <laughs> so, um, and and then I, I eventually thought about, oh, well, um, and my brother helped me with this. Um, when we were kids growing up, we used to write comic books. And um, when my sister was born, uh, nine years after us, um, we were very jealous. We were very green with envy as you would say that she was getting all the attention from mum and dad so we wrote a a comic book villain based on her um called veronica green because poison ivy is one of my favorite villains she had this villain had these plant powers veronica's the name of a plant and we're very intelligent children so green (laughs) you know plants are green that's why we called her veronica green and because my first drag dressing up experience was a Poison Ivy cosplay. I just thought, oh, I've, I'm, I'm Veronica Green. That's, I, I, I am this person. And plus it allows me to celebrate my sister um, because she's like the biggest inspiration to my drag and to me. So she's, she's my goddess. So yeah. She's your I, muse. I, she's your yeah, muse. Yeah. She is my muse. So yeah, I want to celebrate her as much as possible. And you know, I, so I've stole her name I've, and and I've stole some of her clothes as well. I've got some of her bits and pieces. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be, she wouldn't be amused if you didn't, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and you sort of, it sounds like you set some rules for yourself about how you want to do this um, and create your work as a drag artist. I mean, I might be, tell me if I'm wrong, but that's that's what I'm hearing. Oh no, absolutely. I think for, for me, I wanted the, I wanted the persona to be separate from the person mm-hmm. um, because I, I very much, uh, the, the way that I dabbled with drag and then realized how I want, the, the road that I wanted to go down was, I, I, I very much saw myself as kind of like, um, what's the best way to describe it? it if you think of um, the the comedian Lee Francis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's got his persona Keith Lemon, mm-hmm. 
Yes. Nobody knows him. No, nobody in the public eye knows him as Lee. He's mm-hmm. he's just Keith Lemon. And that's how I see Veronica. I don't, eventually I don't want people to associate Kevin with the persona. It's just that she's, it's as if she's a real person and people just don't question anything. Um, similar in the sense of, I could you, very similar to the sense of Lily Savage as well. Like you, she got to the point where you just, you just never even thought of the the man underneath. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, Lily's this amazing woman. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally, totally. I mean, just before we came on, we had a talk about kind of. I, I asked about your pronouns, and you you said he, him, etc. And um, and you, you were saying that there's a lot of kind of interchange still right now, where people will kind of both call you Kevin and Veronica in the same breath. Um, and it sounds like. Further down the line, you would like to get to a place where when you're in the the get up, you are just Veronica and nothing else. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That That's something that's in drag circles is very, very commonplace. If any, anybody who knew me uh, before I did drag naturally calls me Kevin mm-hmm. in and out of drag. And um, when when I'm in drag, I don't mind being called Kevin if um we're in a backstage sort of scenario if if i'm out on stage and or if there's the the public or fans uh in the vicinity it's only ever veronica um whereas if, I, if i'm in the green room or whatever like you know people can people can call me kevin and i don't mind um but in drag circles if people met you as veronica they will call you veronica out of drag as well it's just a it's just a thing we don't we don't uh we don't call each other by our um, by our boy names, or as, as some call it, our muggle names, <laughs> um, when we're out of drag, and and that's something that I find uh, really interesting. So it's just this world that I live in, where some people will only ever call me Veronica, um, and, and I don't mind that. That's that's that to to me. I, I'm I'm very easygoing with it, but as you say, eventually. Once I've once I've got the persona to a certain level, yeah. When when I am being Veronica, it will only be Veronica. I will be like, okay, we, we need to not call me Kevin anymore because yeah, uh, you, you, like I need to move past that eventually. But right now, I'm I'm very easygoing and I don't mind. Let's talk about the skills involved in drag and there are so many there are so many (laughs) so many (laughs) on RuPaul everybody kept calling you a triple threat um because of your musical theatre background you know the singing the dancing the acting um and in many ways I I I sort of see drag as as a kind of similar to musical theatre that very holistic you've got to be skilled at multiple things um for you what are you what what are the most important skills that you think uh, drag needs? Oh, I, I think that drag needs, drag takes so many skills. And I think this is one of the reasons why RuPaul's Drag Race is such a, a successful uh, program, because it reveals that um, that drag performers are so immensely talented in so many different areas. And it just goes to show as well, to the to the average person, to the normal person out there, that that actually you you can do these things. You know that superstardom is not uh, unattainable. Mm-hmm. You all you have to do is just work on your craft, 
because anybody can do drag really when you put your mind to it if you want to if you want to do drag you like lady gaga is a drag queen you know the, mm. the there are so many people uh, like you could even you could even argue that keith lemon is a, is a drag artist as well do you know what i mean it's a he's he's putting on this exaggerated persona for comedic effect and just because he's a man dressing as a man mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not drag i it like to to me that's that's another form of drag it's but anyway that's another conversation but talking but talking about uh, the skills that you need like drag artists like i so for me personally i i sing mm-hmm. i dance i act i uh style my own wigs I, some queens make their own wigs from scratch. Which blows my mind. Uh, you know, I had to learn to be my own makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I make my own costumes. Uh, what else is there? Oh, I do gymnastics as well. Uh, I, I I do lip sync. So yeah. that's, a, that's another skill as well. Like, uh, I think um, putting your own music together and then the mixes as well. You have to be your own sound tech tech yeah. person as well you have to be your own edit video editor nowadays putting content online as well you have to be your own marketing person you have to be your mm-hmm. own like you are a, it, it is a it, it is an art form but it's also um you are you are your own business person as well like you we're entrepreneurs <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make a brand you gotta sell it oh um, my gosh we're we're a we're a one we're a one i, I I hesitate to say the, the term "one man band." We're 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 a one we're we're a one person band. We we are though. We we are. We do. We we have to do everything ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, a one stop shop for one stop shop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For for all different skills, and you know, some people just lip sync. Mm-hmm. However, they don't just lip sync. They they are makeup artists as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I think everybody. Everybody uh, likes to downplay their own skills. And like, I think that this is one of the things I love about drag is that you can, you can do everything you can. Yeah. It's hard work. Oh, I bet. And I imagine, um, I imagine like with, you know, with traditional acting, for example, someone will kind of say, okay, my American accent is terrible. So I'm going to do a bunch of kind of dialect coaching sessions. Um, Where would a drag artist go to improve their sewing skills or their makeup skills or things like that is there a sort of culture of other drag artists teaching other drag artists or is it all self-taught it, it depends what circles you run in to be honest mm-hmm. um m- myself i'm my personality type is i'm very much of a lone wolf mm-hmm. kind of i'm i'm i i i'm terrified of asking people for help I don't like um, not giving people what they're due. So if I'm like, oh, if you're helping me, I need to pay you for this and I can't pay you for this. So I need to just sort it out myself. So I'm quite introverted in that respect where I I don't reach out to to people for collaborations or or whatever. Um, So for me, I will go to YouTube and I'll look up a tutorial or I'll find an online course that I can take and I, I will learn the skills necessary to make myself a new outfit or or um, doing a different eye makeup technique. I will I will learn from the internet. 
but I do have drag friends that are collectives. There are fashion houses, there are drag houses that they, they live together and they help each other. You know, one of them's a designer, so they will make the costumes. The other person's the makeup artist. So they will help to teach each other how to, to, to do makeup and stuff. So, so there are, there are, there are different circles that collaborate and help each other. Um, I, I know, I know that uh, Tia, Tia Coffee, for example, was in a girl group, uh, the Vixens, and they would help each other. You know, somebody would be making the outfits. Yeah. Somebody would be styling the wigs. They would they would all help each other. And, and there there is definitely this community spirit as well that, that's in there. I love that. It sounds like once you've got all these skills and you've kind of acquired them all, then comes the challenge of actually putting the show together and kind of having something that is presentable to an audience that will entertain as well as kind of fascinate and and all of that and I wonder what your process is for that oh so my process for that is lots of terror lots of anxiety <laughs> and lots of are they gonna like this um because I love to sing but being part of the drag scene you realize that you you, you don't want to just be one note. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's different, there's different scenes and different, uh, there's different styles in, in every area that you go to. Um, <clears throat> you know, the East end is the, the experimental scene in the West end. You've got the sort of like the, 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 the Broadway West end Wendy's where, um, I kind of fit, but, um, but I, I mean, I, I'm quite eclectic. So like, I like doing weird and wonderful stuff as well. So every, every scene has its own niche, mm -hmm. um, niches within niches. Um, and, um, and I've, I've lost my trail of thought now. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what was the question? Um, your process of like, oh, actually yes. oh. The, well, this, this, this is my process confusion. And, um, <laughs> and for for me, I, I just think about, well, it depends what the gig is, really, mm -hmm. for me. Like, back in the competition, when I, when I first started drag and doing competitions, each each week you're, I was given a different a different theme or a different thing to do. So if it's singing one week, lip syncing another, we're doing an acting scene this week, uh, then you've got to do a 15-minute set. So it, it, it allows you to experiment with with different styles and different genres and you figure out what you're good at and mm -hmm. where you fit in the scene but but nowadays when it comes to like okay well what's what's the gig or oh, you've got to do an hour set what am I going to do for an hour well okay well I'm going to sing because I can't do comedy and I can't speak so <laughs> I'm just going to entertain people by singing songs and in order to entertain people I'm like okay well the best way to entertain people is if they're singing along, they're having a good time. So let's pick the songs that they're going to sing along to. Um, so for me, it, com it comes down to entertaining the audience and not just about this is me and take it or leave it kind of thing. I, I want to make sure that I've got a rapport with the audience. Making that connection and sort of playing to your strengths for, for certain, but making Absolutely. sure that there's enough there that you can kind of say are you involved in this too <laughs> oh yeah definitely <laughs> like absolutely I do not want to be at a gig where everybody's on their phones or walking out you know mm -hmm. I, I want people to be involved I want people to be enjoying themselves and what better way to do that than 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 get audience participation yeah 
Okay, that's amazing. I mean, I think that's really smart. And I think you see a lot of comedians doing it when they go around the country and they kind of say things like, they start talking about the town that they're in, for example, and like little observations and bringing the audience on board to kind of get them warmed up and feel like they're really part of it. Um, so it sounds like another version of that, what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. I think I, th- I think uh, drag as an art form is, it can be, can be many different things. There are some queens that do not leave their house and just do, do makeup tutorials. And that's how they, that's how they run their business. And then, and then there's there's other queens like me who I I will sing for people, and and like you say, there are there are stand up comics as well. There's hosts, so it just depends. I think each each person who who's wanting to go into drag and do it, they need to discover, they need to realize what it is that they are good at and what they want to do, because you you can literally do anything in drag. You can you can be a, a successful bedroom queen, as they call it nowadays. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. If that's if that's what you want to do and it's going to make you money, <laughs> then do that. Because why why sing for an hour if you don't enjoy it? Like totally. do, do what you do what you want to do, and the, and then your audience will find you. I mean, I think that's the classic um, the classic advice that's given to pretty much any artist, mm-hmm. isn't it? Of like if you're a novelist, if you're an actor, if you're a comedian, if you're a musician, it's about experimenting enough in the early days to be able to figure out what your strengths are, what appeals to people and find your audience, as it were. Yeah. And then bring them in. Absolutely, absolutely. And there, you can apply any skill to, to drag mm-hmm. and be successful. So you just got to... I, I would definitely say you definitely want to try and be as unique as possible. I think that's so, so important. The amount of shows I've been to where the you, you, there's a lineup of queens and you just see the same thing one after the other. It's like, okay, well, maybe maybe you need to have a rethink of what your... I, I, I hate saying the word brand because um, I, I feel like that takes away from the art of it, mm-hmm. but... But you do need to find a point of difference. You need to f- to find what makes you special. Yeah. You because um, I think especially with the emergence of drag race being cut, becoming so popular, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, "Okay, I need they they want they take certain elements of the show and say, okay, but here's the recipe for success, and then and then you've just got cookie cutter queens coming out of the the woodwork where I, I just I think people just need to dig a little deeper and think about what makes them unique and and do that don't do what you think is going to make you successful do 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 you it sounds so um it sounds so simple and so easy i know but- and it's almost like it's one of those things where a lot of the time in the arts in particular it's it's a very commonly touted piece of advice right just you do you um, and mm-hmm. it's very easy for people to be like that's so trite that's so cliche but i think the reason why it keeps coming up again and again is cuz it's true <laughs> yeah, it really is, and I think that's I think that's where a lot of uh, queens really start to shine is when they've when they figure out where they fit mm-hmm. in the scene and 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 what makes them special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just makes them more desirable as artists. People want to book them then because nobody else will do does what they do. And what was the moment for you when you were really kind of like, okay, I'm gonna hone in on the singing a bit and. I mean, what, what, was there a crystallizing moment or was it kind of a gradual process that you kind of eventually discovered? 
Um, well, with with me, I did a lot of gigging as a singing waiter. Um, so I was I was thrust into this environment where we were having to choose songs that were going to get people up and dance and sing along with us and entertain, be entertained because the the act itself was not background music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very much involved with people. So learning those skills, I just I just transferred those to my drag, basically, and that's how I discovered. Okay, well, this is this can work in this setting as well, where I'm. It's it's not exactly the same, yeah. But I was like, I need to entertain the audience first and foremost, and the way that it naturally comes to me is to take the skills from those things and apply it to this. That makes a lot of sense. I think, I mean, everyone does that, don't they? Where they're like, oh, I I used to do this and I was pretty good at it. Let's see if I can (laughs) transpose it. Exactly. There's no point me, there's no point, like I I want to have like a a, a one-woman show at some point um, and I'd like to have a full-on script. I mean, I want to have a musical as well. There's, I mean, there's so many different things I want to do. Um, but in the here and now, I don't have the access to... Um, I, I'm, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good comedian. So I'm going to have to outsource those things in the future. But but I'm getting booked for gigs, you know, this week, next week, week after, week after that. So in the here and the now, it's like, okay, well, I've got to draw on the skills that I have right now to do the short term stuff. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm reaching out to 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 friends and to writers and to musicians to get some sheet music for for future projects. Mm-hmm. Because the skills that I don't have, I now that I've been on Drag Race, I realize, okay, well, I can't learn to to transpose songs. <laughs> I can't learn to uh, write the sheet music to to my own songs. I'm now half, I'm forced into this place where I have to ask for help and that's going to help me in the long run. Yeah. Um, But for the short term, I'm just like, okay, quick, stick to what I know for for this, this first six, seven months to to make some money cuz like we've we've not had any jobs for I mean for near, for over a year. I know. I mean, this is the next thing that I was going to ask is um we've talked about the idea of drag being a safe space um and there being such a community around it. Um it's obviously been massively hit. Um what do you think the future of it could be? Do you think do you think it will bounce back? Do you think um if it does bounce back, what what kind of shape will it take? Oh gosh, it's it's so hard to say at this point because I think we're still in a very sticky situation where the arts and entertainment industry as a whole um is is has been we've been left We've been hung out to dry. We've been left to drown. Mm-hmm. We 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 are we are very underappreciated, and I I truly think it comes from that notion of um, as a as a kid growing up, you know, the being in the careers office and saying to the the, the career development person, oh, what what kind of job do you want to do? Oh, I want to be an actor. Oh, yeah, but what about a real job? So I think society just doesn't realise how much they rely on entertainment and how much they rely on our our sector 
to be happy. Like being in lockdowns, we consumed so much entertainment constantly and to, to, to keep us happy. And I think people very easily forget that people need to be paid to entertain you. Yeah. Like we, we, we can't, we can't do it for free because then how are we going to feed our families? Um, so I think, I think the, the industry in, in general is just looked down upon by, by society as not being essential when it is one of the most essential uh, businesses for well-being and happiness. Because, like, having had no work for nearly a year um, was was terrible, and now we're, we've come we've come back. And I mean, I don't know about you. I I had my first gig um, in like over a year, and I'd lost my voice by the end of it. I was like, oh my god, I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna carry on. <laughs> Took me a week to recover. <laughs> Um, but slowly, I built my stamina back up, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm back in the zone now. I'm and I'm like, let let's go, let's do this. But we're still at like venues are at half capacity. You still can't sing at, at weddings. Yeah. Um. There's there's still so many restrictions in place, and it's just it's just like oh, let let's try and get this this industry back up and running again. It's it's so so hard. Um. I I do think we've a, a lot a lot of things have changed, and. I'm I'm just hoping that we can we can thrive again because it's it's been devastating. I mean, have you done any drag during during the time? Have you be, have you tried your hand at being a bedroom queen, as it were, um, or have you kind of taken and just said like, no, I'm hanging I'm hanging hanging it all up for the time being because. Um... Oh well, during the so the, we filmed the first four episodes of season two of yes. Drag Race. And then we had, and then the pandemic hit and I went through a very, very dark period of, um, like it, it was fear at first. I spent 12 weeks in my bedroom, locked away. Um, I was scared to leave the house because of the, because of the pandemic and because of the situation that was happening. And then that turned into sadness and depression because I had no work. It wasn't just the drag gigs that were gone. I, I, all my singing waiter gigs were gone. And the rug had been pulled from under me and I, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so right. the summer last year was was one of the worst periods I've ever had in my life. I was on top of the world on Drag Race and then all of a sudden it came crashing down. Um, so I didn't I didn't do any drag at home because I was just in a state of... I was in a, a state of depression for for the summer, yeah. um, and then we filmed this. The, well, and then I couldn't film the second half of Drag Race because I caught coronavirus. <laughs> so, Just... so I yeah. So it was like it, it, I was you know kick me while I'm down, <laughs> salt um, in the wound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and 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 then I've just had to pick myself up, and I, I had to stay strong. Because I was like, well, what else have I have I got? And and you know, I've I've got my family, I've got my friends, I've got my health. And okay, I don't have any work, but I need to I need to pick myself up now. Mm-hmm. And and then slowly this year, I've I've gotten back into the groove of of um, of performing now that we're allowed to. So I I, I am hoping to do some some drag at home i want to get i want to do a youtube series um called how to be a drag queen oh my god yes 
Yeah. So I'm going to teach myself how to do drag all over again. Um, because my, my drag look is very real and very, very, very realistic. Um, and, and I've started learning how to, how to change it up and do some different eye shapes with makeup and making some new different kinds of outfits. So I thought, oh, well, why not? Why not teach myself to do drag all over again and share it with the world? So that's that's what I'm working on at the moment. That's such a good idea. That's such a good yeah. idea. I would watch that 10 times. Yes. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, I'm going to... Because I, I got a really good reception on my Instagram when I... Week by week when I would show people in my Instagram stories how I made the outfit that week. Because um, it never got brought up on the show that that I made my own outfits. And I was like, oh, I feel so offended right now. Ellie Diamond is the queen that makes all her own outfits. And I'm going, excuse me, what am I? Chop liver. <laughs> like, excuse me, I made this. There was- I made nearly every runway. It's not even been talked about here. There was one moment when in the show where you were like, um, look at the seaming that I did. Isn't it amazing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <And> I- <laughs> this gown is hemmed. This gown is lined. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the perception of drag um, and the kind of cultural uh, shift that's occurred since the popularity of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Um, How have you witnessed it from afar? Yeah, so myself and season, the season one queen, Vinegar Strokes, Mm -hmm. we were were touring together on Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat in 2010. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we were backstage, about to go on stage, and we turned and we saw on the TV uh, Drag Race, uh, the US version, season two, was on, on E4 at the time. And, and we saw this lip sync happen. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I was like, oh my gosh, you can do this as a job. The queens do this as a job. And I just couldn't get it out of my head for weeks and weeks and weeks. I was like, I need to find out what that show was. And I, and it wasn't until a year later in 2011 that, that I discovered what the show was called. It was called RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. I, I told everybody about it. I was like, oh my God, this show is amazing. You're going to love it. And, and, and it took a while for the, the world to catch up. But I was like, this is going to be something in this country soon. Um, and I, I just could not stop thinking about this show. And then a year, another year goes by. So like, what, 10 to 11, 12, 13, three years go by before I'm like, I've been obsessed with this show for three years. And then this opportunity where there's like six six lads going, oh, let's do drag for yeah. Halloween. Kevin, do you want to do it? And I went, yes, yeah. yes, this is it. This is my chance to to sort of like get this obsession in my head and and experiment and to try it out for myself and and once i once i did get to grips with what my drag was then that took a couple of years itself i didn't enter my first drag competition for for 3 years after that wow. um so like because me as a person i'm very much a wallflower, afraid, scared to to take the leap, to, to to take a leap of faith, to do something that is out of the ordinary. Because I'm, I was very much of a oh gosh, but if I do that, my musical theatre career will be over. Casting directors won't want to see me again. So it, interesting. 
it, it was very, um, I, because I, I, I come from a very repressed childhood, sexuality and, and anything that is not, uh, quote unquote, normal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was very, very afraid of, 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 of doing things that I wanted to do. It, it, it's ridiculous, so, so ridiculous. But it, it took me years and years and years to find the courage within myself to just do it. And and, and that's the that's adv- advice that I would give anybody. If I could, if, if I could have done drag in 2010, if I'd have had the self-belief and the self-confidence to just do mm-hmm. it, I would, I would be 10 times better than I am now. I would be, I would be happier uh, earlier because mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy now. Um, but why put yourself through so much torment and so much pain when you can just, like for me, it was just a case of getting over my own fear and my own, my own prejudices, my own, my own, and, and caring too much about what other people think about me. That That's another thing that held me back for the longest time. That sort of internalised stigma that, um, we carry with us. Absolutely. I was very repressed and had this sense of internalized homophobia of my, of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, yeah. But that, that's, that's psychology into what, what, who makes Kevin, Kevin, <laughs> like, um, afraid to rock the boat. I'm very, I was, a, I was afraid to rock the boat. I'm not now. I'm, as well as we all saw (laughs) and what's interesting though is i i would argue that it's funny i picked up on the thing that you said about um you know what will happen to my musical theater career because um i was doing research for this and obviously i i came across a couple of articles of um people who have set up a label i think one of uh, jim or record record yeah yeah oh yeah yeah me viv and me yeah 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 and um and there was an article talking about how, you know, the quality of the tracks are wonderful that you're making and they are legitimately good songs, but there is still a certain degree of stigma in the music industry about sort of having to separate drag performances and put them in their own sort of tiny little boxed up genre and have them be separate to regular chart music, for example. Oh, it's it's nuts. It's crazy to me that people have these these stigmas and these things. Like I don't. I, it's like why can't they see that drag is not just a singular thing? Like what some people think drag is, they look down their nose at it. They're snobbish about it, but they don't realize that there's all these different styles and different areas of drag. It it, it blows my mind that the 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 music industry for one is is very um, is very snobbish against drag music and drag performers. And like, okay, well, I'm not, well, I'm not going to lie. Some of it is terrible music, mm-hmm. but like Tia's, Tia Coffey's uh, single, like sh- has charted. Like yeah. she charted at number 10, I think. Like this is, like she is a popular music artist. And, That's a big deal. And she's working with some really good producers, some really good, she's collaborating with some really good artists and she's got good songs. And I think, uh, I think the, the industry itself just needs to get over that. And yeah, there is going to be drag music that's terrible. There's going to be some trash. Um, 
there's a there's a there's a lot of trash <laughs> throwing throwing a bit of shade there. Um, but like but like music like Tears should be where it should rightfully be charting because it's good and mm-hmm. like if it's good music, who cares if it's a drag artist? Yeah, like that's just that's just an added uh, flourish. I love that, and I mean, the thing about art in in any capacity, in any genre, in any form, is that there's always going to be rubbish examples of film, TV shows, theatre shows, you know, a- anything, even you know, stuff that you go see in the Tate, and you're like, oh my god, Why I is saw that the Spice there? Girls musical. <laughs> yes, what are you talking about rubbish theatre? <laughs> exactly, and. <laughs> More shade. Oh, um, I can say that they're my idols. I lo- I love them to pieces. I like that they they are a girl band that defined my sexuality and my my love. Like I like I I hold the Spice Girls in such high esteem. So I can absolutely call them out on that terrible musical. It said with respect, with respect. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but but these bad these bad examples exist across all art forms, um, and I feel like I feel like what you're saying is that you know drag should also have permission to be both excellent and also rubbish. Oh, um, absolutely. Well, that's the whole point of art itself. Like we, we, you, you put things out into the universe, you put your art forwards and sometimes it's going to be rubbish. Sometimes it's going to be medi- mediocre, but sometimes it's going to be phenomenal. And you sh- like drag artists should not be penalized because they're drag artists. If mm-hmm. they put out some amazing stuff, it should be consumed by people mm. like we should be allowed to enjoy it and and not have this stigma of oh yeah but it's not really serious because they're a drag artist right right exactly i'm i love this i love this i feel like pumped up for you um <laughs> yeah well i do think but i do think that as well like it, i think drag artists themselves are starting to see oh actually no we are can be artists we you know that that word we can actually be artists. We don't have to be comic relief or the butt of everybody's joke or not taken seriously. We can actually do something meaningful and and help to shape the world. I, I mean, it goes so much deeper than just being on stage singing some songs. Totally. Um, I mean, the way that you described it is, you know, you saw your first examples in uh, film and TV and you were like, whoa, and actually yeah. felt something that you could identify with. Um, and I think, it, isn't isn't that amazing that, that drag can do that for people in sort of from all sort of shapes, sizes, creeds, backgrounds, cultures? And genders. And genders. Yeah. <laughs> like drag is not just for, for you know, male-bodied people like drag is for everybody and i think people need to understand that that drag is playing with gender ideas and um, expressing yourself in you know extraordinary ways doesn't it doesn't have to be just one singular singular thing you know anytime you anytime you dress a bit more extravagantly than normal you're doing drag yes kim kardashian's a drag queen she is i swear she is like i would say like when you're at home just in your pajamas but you're my out of drag self i'm like okay well obviously i'm out of drag when i'm at when i'm at home and i'm just chilling out you know um but then when i go out and as the persona 
that's me putting my drag on. And I think that any normal, any normal person, every ordinary person, they do put their drag on to a certain degree when they leave the house. It's just that we are, um, what's the right word for it? I guess we are the, the, the face of drag, but, but, but drag is a lot more than, than us. I love that. You guys are the kind of um, the trailblazers of it, the kind of at the forefront, spearheading the movement um, and bringing others along in your wake, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, drag's for everyone and don't let anybody tell you differently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, amazing. So final questions. Um, okay, well, you've already sort of touched upon this, but um, if anyone is li- listening and tempted to give drag a whirl, what kind of advice would you give them? What should they know going into it? Uh, I would say it, anybody listening that it, that wants to try doing drag, go for it and do it because it, it even if it's not something that you stick with as as a performance or an, a, an art form, it will teach you more about who you are as a person. That that's that's what I discovered that doing drag um, allowed me to be comfortable in my own body because it, it it somehow helps break down inhibitions and being in drag gives you this sort of super confidence that then when you take the drag off, you realise, oh, actually, I can apply that to, to my true self, you know, underneath it all. So I would say anybody that will, wanting to try drag to, to do it, get yourself, um, you don't even need the best makeup, you don't need the best wigs, you don't need the best costumes, you just need the passion for it and... Mm-hmm. And the rest will come. Like, you know, eventually when you decide that, okay, yeah, I'd like to do this further, then maybe invest in in uh, in in the good stuff. But initially you don't have to you don't have to be the best at, at everything. You just need to to do it. Do it and be excited about doing it. Yeah, that's the most important thing. And and definitely um Find find like-minded people because they, they will help you along the way as well. It circles right back round to what we were saying at the beginning about having a tribe and having a safe circle. And Absolutely. Because the, the thing is, is you share ideas with each other and that helps you discover new new ideas and new things. Whereas if, if, if you're stuck with people that are totally against everything that you even want to experiment with, like... Okay, these can maybe be your friends for other things, but if you want to do drag, find people that that uh, are going to support you with that and 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 do it with them. Because you'll find as well that along the way, I've got friends now getting back in touch with me who were really not uh, into drag in the slightest ten years ago, and now all of a sudden they're like oh my gosh, this is really interesting. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm finally the, the cool person for a change. That I think it, it, you've got to break away from, from negativity and people who don't are not interested because that they're, they're not interested because that they, they've either got their own hangups or it's not for them. Yeah. But if it is for you, you should just do it. Amazing. Um, for anyone who, you know, would want to do a bit of research for maybe their own reasons, maybe looking to get into drag or just to kind of watch more of it in a live setting, um, 
you're based in London, what venues, what clubs, what places will hopefully be open again in the future where people can go and enjoy lots of drag? Oh, there's so many venues where people can enjoy lots of drag. Off the top of my head, the few that I can think of, the RVT is probably one of the most legendary venues for drag performers. You can always see drag there. Um, I perform a lot at GAY Heaven at the moment. Um, when they're at full capacity, though, it might be a little bit different, but um, but definitely they have a lot of drag performers on there. Um, you've got you've got freedom freedom um in soho has a lot of drag performances from time to time uh the admiral duncan is another legendary drag venue that that has uh lots of drag on um the clapham grand has has drag uh quite often as well so it's just, i think it's just about finding finding who the the drag artists you enjoy are following them on their social media and then finding out where it is that they perform. So I'm going to ask a final question, which is, I don't know if you're allowed to tell us, but are you going to be back for the next season of RuPaul? I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> I had to try. I had to but try. I, well, it's because, you know, we've signed this thing called an NDA <laughs> where we're not allowed to talk about anything. So... <laughs> okay amazing well thank you kevin you've been so lovely to chat to um i'm so thankful for your time and your insight into drag as an art form and i'm where... thankful that you didn't get bored of me just thought you like talking and talking and talking no not at all um where can people find you on social media and sort of doing things at GAY, for example. What, what are you up to now and what do you want to plug? Um, so you can find me on my Instagram. Um, uh, my handle is Veronica Queen and it's spelled Q-W-E-E-N. Um, I, I'm doing it the, the cool way. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, Instagram is where I am mainly. I'm also on Twitter as well from time to time. I'm performing at GAY Heaven every Saturday at the moment. My show, Defying Musicals, where yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a musical theatre night where I've got I get I have two musical theatre guests every week. So we sing some legit musical theatre stuff, some pop songs that have been in musicals, and then we just do sing along stuff as well. Um, and then we defy musicals by not singing some musical theatre stuff. So, like, it's it's basically uh, an excuse to just sing whatever we want. I love um, it. It's proved to be really successful so far, though. There's four four more weeks left, so you can catch me up until the 17th of July, I think. Amazing. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Kevin. Um, it's been a pleasure. It has been a real pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 